Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Cavalry Audio. I'm Clint Emerson and welcome to season two of Can You Survive This Podcast? Where the interview is just as dangerous as the scenarios I put my guests through. From hostage situations to natural disasters, carjackings, active shooters, and more, if you're looking for the skills necessary to survive these situations, then this is the show for you. Thank you for allowing me to torture your eardrums once again on Can You Survive This Podcast? Today, I have a fitness model, celebrity, hybrid athlete, and trainer whose reach and influence extends globally. Her career has seen her establish a strong influence working with military personnel, embassy personnel. She is no other than Ashley Horner. Ashley, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you being here. Now, a fitness influencer, hybrid athlete, professional fitness competitor, ultra runner, triathlete, entrepreneur, and then of course, you're probably your hardest job, a mother of three boys. Yes. So where do we start with this? Okay, well, I, hybrid athlete. What's a hybrid athlete? Um, a hybrid athlete to me, in my own definition, is somebody can do just like a mixed array of all different kinds of things. So whether it's um, swimming, biking, obviously running, that's just a natural thing. Um, I've done anything from like powerlifting, Olympic lifting. I was a competitor, not anymore, but I used to get on stage and compete like way back in the day. And, um, so I just, I love to do it all. I've done a little bit of grappling, some BJJ, um, MMA stuff. So I just, to me being a hybrid athlete is just having the skill set to be able to do like a mixture of different types of like activities. Got it. So you're kind of like, instead of a jack of a trades, you're like a Jane of trades, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so on the ultra running side, what's the furthest, what's the longest run you've done? Um, so my most recent long run that I did, I ran for 40 hours straight. Uh, I support an orphanage out in Haiti called the Maison, For uh, Maison Fortune Orphanage. Um, it's in Hinch, Haiti. 
And so I ran for 40 hours straight. This was this last October, October, November. And that was pretty gnarly. So I did it here in Virginia Beach. It was actually supposed to be in Haiti, but because of the everything going on right now in the world, I, I decided to do it here uh, stateside in my hometown in Virginia Beach. So that one was pretty gnarly. I was like hallucinating really bad, uh, <laughs> running up and down shore. I ran to the oceanfront and then I ran around a track uh, just monotonously around and around like through the night. So. so you just kept going for 40. How much? I mean, so what was your mileage at the end of the 40 hours? Had it it was a, yeah, I was like right at a hundred. So Damn. yeah, I really wanted to get more mileage, but, um, it was just the, the biggest feat for me at that point was just staying up for the 40 hours. So, which yeah. I mean, it, was, it was good. I was actually up longer than 40 hours because I didn't start the run until the nighttime. So I was up that whole day and then I started the run like at night to get through the night. So. I bet. Now, were you taking any uh, supplements or anything to kind of keep you going? Do you have anything no. that you kind of believe in? Or, no, mm -hmm. no, Nothing. not whenever I'm doing stuff like that. I mean, I just keep it very, very basic and plain. Um, I did a lot of Uncrustables, like peanut butter and jellies and yeah. Snickers. And I do really well with like for the sugar spike, I do Coca-Cola. Um, but it's it's pretty just basic, basic and bland. I, I don't have any caffeine. Um, nothing to like elevate my heart rate or anything unwantedly. So, wow, that's, that's a new one. I mean, everybody I know takes all kinds of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so uh, running clean, huh? Right, now, do you drink, do you drink, you drink coffee though, right? You just, you just yeah. weren't for that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, actually I did whenever I, so I have a coffee whiskey bar here in Virginia beach and, um, on the way out towards the ocean front, I did stop at American brew and I may have had, uh, a couple shots of bullet bourbon. So to like send me on my way and it actually really <laughs> helped. Like I felt better. Uh, this was after I had ran, uh, through the nights. And then I think it was like in the afternoon time I was headed out, uh, towards the ocean front. I stopped and had, had a shot of whiskey. So, yeah. So tell me more about, okay. So let's, let's go back in time. Right. I'm, I, I see you, uh, I've got you here on your Instagram. You're up to like 700 and some crazy number of thousand followers. Um, so when did you start really becoming like more of the influencer out that's out there in the fitness world? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, it was never my intention. If I'm just being honest, like my intention from the beginning was just passion driven. Um, I just genuinely, and I still do just genuinely like want to help individuals, um, uh, along their fitness journey or, or what have you. And then, you know, after getting into like my fitness career, I just started kind of going out on these different types of little adventures and now having a coffee whiskey bar, I have a screen printing company. Um, I just have a couple different endeavors that I, I really love to do. So, and everything's just been passion driven, but it wasn't my intention whenever I started this journey uh, to become an influencer. It's just, it's kind of gradually has happened. So uh, it's a huge blessing, but it also comes with like, a, it's a big responsibility as well. So, yeah. And, and you, and you got to always have content, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The content thing is huge. Yeah. Like I even find myself going, what the hell am I going to post? I don't even know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm guessing it, the more followers you get, the more pressure it is to put out good stuff because they start to expect it on a regular basis. Yeah. But I think you, you can create that own pressure on yourself. Like if you oh, just, yeah. you know, for me, it's just like, I, I just post whatever is like natural to me. And I think that a lot of people get hung up on that. Um, a lot of people get hung up on, um, like really wanting to, to please and get like the likes and the comments and you know, what, what have you. Uh, but for me, it's just like, 
I just kind of share my life and my journey, whatever it is that I'm into at the moment. And um, I, I don't put any pressure on myself to like come up with specific content that pleases my followers or my, my crowd, my supporters is what I like to call them. I yeah. just kind of like do me and I don't know, I guess people kind of like my crazy life and the things that I've gotten into. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so on the athletic side, mm-hmm. you started with soccer kind of like the the trigger, the catalyst into the fitness world. Yeah, I was, began? A, yeah. yeah, I was a gymnast growing up. So I grew up in a really tiny town in Oklahoma on rock and D ranch. So I just grew up in the country. We had horses, my parents, my parents bred and broke quarter horses. So my childhood was basically just running around like, and like amongst all this acreage and riding horses bareback. Um, and I started gymnastics really young. And then I ended up kind of transitioning over to soccer and I hadn't, um, I had to pick either one or the other and I chose soccer. So I played competitively through high school and then I played on my Olympic development team. And um, I lived in Guam for a while. So I was able to play with their women's national team for a while, which was, which was pretty cool. So my background is in athletics and soccer. Okay, cool. And then that just kind of springboarded you into, you know, more of the hybrid athlete, ultra running triathlete stuff. Now, have you done, have you done Ironman? Any, any mm-hmm. Ironmans? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I've done an official 70.3. Um, and then a couple years ago I did, I think it was like five back, like five, five days in a row of Ironman tryout. Like they weren't sanctioned Ironmans. So, but they were the Ironman distance swim, the Ironman distance run and the Iron dis- Ironman distance biking that I did. Um, so an Ironman a day for five days in a row? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. That hurts my shoulders. Just yeah. my knees. Yeah. <laughs> just, just thinking about that. Hey, yeah. That's, I mean, that's, it's incredible accomplishments. I've got a, uh, God, which team guy is it? That's, I think he's about to do, or he's in the middle of it right now. I think it's an iron man a day for 30 days straight or something oh, like wow. that. I don't, I can't remember who it is, but, um, uh, I think he's in the middle of it or he just finished. So I'm sure we'll, we'll see it somewhere on social, but I mean, that's, that's hell on the body, right? I mean, yeah, that's tough. I, um, there is, it was probably two or three years ago that I rode my bike, my bicycle from Virginia beach to Tulsa, Oklahoma, my hometown where I was from. And something happens. I mean, you can probably, um, this is probably familiar to you, but at, at one point, I mean, the body is like breaking down, but it, there, you reach a point to where your mind just kind of takes over, right? Because you get to a point where a lot of it's just like a battle in the mind. Like you, it's like you have these two voices in your head and you're arguing with yourself and you're thinking about the the pain and the, and the places that hurt. And uh, it, it's true what they say. And um, people say, have this saying a lot, but like the pain is only temporary. Um, but what I have found in all of these long endeavors that I've done is that I could have this excruciating pain behind my knee or something, or it can be in my shoulder. It doesn't matter. And I'll, like, my mind will just be focusing on that and, like the agony of that pain. Um, and then if you can just learn to just like accept it and know that the pain isn't going anywhere, that it's just going to be there. It's like, before I even realize it without even thinking, I'll be like, I won't even feel it anymore. And the pain will be something different. It's almost like the pain can like either move throughout your body. But, um, I, I really have found and it's so true that the, the pain that you feel and you can just focus on and it can take you out of the race or the run or whatever it is that you're trying to do. But if you just learn to accept that pain and that suffering and the state that you're in, in that moment and know that this is just how it is, 
it's almost like your body accepts that and the mind accepts that and the pain just moves on to a different spot and then you're just having to do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, I know that anytime I've going out for a long run, it always, the the first mile or two sucks. Right. And then Mm -hmm. once you just kind of get everything going, then before you know it, you're, uh, yeah, you're in your own, you're in your own world during the run and you don't even notice, uh, whatever that Mm -hmm. pain or whatever it is that's bothering you. It just kind of disappears. Um, now until the next morning when I wake up and I'm like, Holy (laughs) shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really is. It's like this, um, you have to be comfortable in this place of, of suffering. Yeah. And what, what was really just awesome about my long bike ride is the first, probably it took me 13 days to get to Oklahoma. And I was riding around a hundred miles a day, a little over a hundred miles a day on my, on my bicycle. Damn. And, um, it was like the first five days it was just, it was painful. I mean, I was suffering and, uh, I also had to get over the Blue Ridge mountains, which was pretty tough, but there you, you get to a point. I actually, I could have cycled without a doubt all the way to California if I wanted to. My body just kind of accepted, my mind accepted. And it was almost as if after day five, day six, I just felt so strong. In fact, my strongest day cycling was my final day getting into Oklahoma. Um, It was just, it was just surreal. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, now let's see a hundred mile a day. I mean, that's equivalent like tour de France, right? We know that's, that's been going on. Did they just finish that up or it's going on right now? But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a hundred, those are hundred mile days that those professional mm-hmm. riders are doing. Usually mm-hmm. I think it's average of about a hundred miles, give or take, depending on the terrain, uh, and the elevation for that ride of that day. So yeah, you were doing tour de France level distances every day for how many days? It's like 13, 13 days. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome though. I mean, and I got to say like women, people forget women have babies, right? <laughs> so they have babies. So they know, you know, a woman probably deals with pain and discomfort, uh, especially after having kids far better than any man on the planet. Right. I mean, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think, I think guys can be pretty wimpy in some areas. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and if, if there's a, uh, I, I remember in buds, we had this one instructor, uh, Joe Hawes and he was the funniest dude and he would always get on the bullhorn and while you're standing in the surf zone, wet and sandy and it's whatever the middle of the night, he'd be like, guys, I'm going to let you go ahead and lay down with my, my girlfriend and uh, she's got a whole platter of donuts, some hot coffee. You guys can just hang out with her. All you got to do is quit. All you got to do is ring the bell. And sure enough, I mean, like, you'd see guys peeling off. But all he had to do is paint this picture of a, a much better environment than what we were in. And people would quit left and right. Of course, all men. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> we will be right back after the break. Yeah. I think so much of it is about the mind. I think people don't, don't, they don't give their, you know, the body does physically have to carry so far, but your mind and the mental fortitude that you have will carry you the rest of the way. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's amazing how powerful the mind can be Mm -hmm. both like for you and against you, you know? And, uh, so you have to, you know, I think really boils down to is try and experience as much as possible. And from those experiences allows you to push through, uh, you know, those times when you feel like quitting 
Um, mm-hmm. but you got to rack them up, you know, you got to get through some things first before it gets a little easier to get, to not quit or not stop when you have like pain, right? We've right. always heard there's, are you in pain or are you injured? Yeah. There is a difference. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, you can't, it, it, it's, it's conditioning the mind just like it's conditioning the body. Yeah. Right. You know, people, if, if you guys are wanting to run a far distance, I mean, start with a distance that you know that you can, you can confidently finish. And then it, it's just like a confidence booster because every time that, you know, even with the running, cause I've never been a runner and I actually started doing some of these long distance runs because I actually hate running that much. And I just really, really wanted to push myself and push my mind. And, uh, but there's something that happens and this is like even, um, athletically, like physical accomplishments and then even, um, business accomplishments, like start small. And then every time you hit that milestone or the goal that you've set for yourself, that's just going to build the confidence within you to look at mountains that are even higher than you ever thought that you could climb and, and tackle those. And just little by little, your confidence will just grow. And you'll see that not only if it's an athletic endeavor, like not only will your confidence soar and athleticism, but also in your personal life and business and whatever else you're trying to uh, accomplish and go after. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, and, and with that, you know, obviously you have a routine of some sort going on that keeps you moving forward and checking off tasks and the to-do list that you give yourself. Um, what is your like daily routine? When Mm -hmm. you work out in the mornings, you work out at night, when do you get the most work done and how do you do that balancing three boys? (laughs) That's a great question. Uh, I'm a huge stickler on having everything planned out and organized like Sunday at the latest leading into my week ahead. Um, I have everything planned out and organized from the meals. I, um, time management is like huge for me. Everything I have to be on a schedule with everything that I do because I have so much that I have to achieve or accomplish in the course of a day. So having something as, as simple as my food delivered to my house from the grocery store, instead of me spending time going to the grocery store, that's a huge time saver for me. Plus I hate going to the grocery store and just like, it's not, some people do it because it's like a good leisure activity. Like I hate going to the grocery store. I'm like, I'm not a shopper. I don't like to go grocery shopping. So I get everything delivered to my house. Um, all of my meals are planned out, like what I'm going to cook for dinner. So I know like what I'm eating, like what the boys are eating, if it's anything different. Um, I have to wake up before my boys wake up because if I don't have that moment of, uh, almost like reflection and gratitude. I'm really big on just being grateful for everything uh, and getting my mind right for my workout that's going to happen in the next couple hours. Uh, it's, it's getting that mental mindset ready and silence before my boys wake up. I think that's very important. Um, I always have coffee in the morning, depending on what my training is like that day. I, uh, I typically fast um, until about two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, but again, that does kind of fluctuate depending on how aggressive like my training is in the morning and I do train in the morning. So what I have found if I wait until the afternoon to get my training done, um, I get, I get pulled in so many different directions with like, you know, people who need me at work or like what have you. So I have to get my 
training done in the morning and I like to call it like the no fly zone. And that's when nobody can interrupt me. I usually have my phone on airplane mode uh, because I just got to get it done. My training's really, really, really important to me. Uh, and then the afternoon, the boys are on summer break right now, but um, typically my training is done at 11 a.m. And I have 11 a.m. till about 3.30 to get any meetings done that I have or like any work stuff that I have. And I'm very, I'm very diligent in scheduling my meetings at specific days during the week because I, I think that's also really important. Uh, people who are trying to get a lot into their week, if you can just kind of funnel your meeting days into one or two days a week where you're available, uh, sometimes you're gonna have to like kind of give and like be flexible on that depending on somebody else's schedule. But uh, uh, having just like a strict time, like a like a set time during the week, like these are this is your window for meetings, um, it will definitely free up a lot of other time that you need to get stuff done. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, there's definitely no set balance, uh, when it comes to just being a mom, being a boys, I, I have really, really good boys. They've, they've been through a lot with me and, um, they, you know, they come home from school and I like to put all my work stuff away and, uh, I don't get back on my work stuff until either after dinner or like after they've gone to bed, whenever I have some more quiet time to just get on either social media or, um, my emails or, you know, whatever else is, uh, needing my attention at the time. Yeah. Wow. So I've pulled a couple of things from that. Number one, I agree. Going to the grocery store can be a waste of time. And if you can have it delivered, then you should. Now I've used, uh, what, what's the app I've used and I've had some bad experiences where I put a bunch of stuff on there and then, you know, they leave the groceries at the front door and like, five items aren't there, but yet I paid for them. Have you had that experience? Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so which app do you use? Uh, ours is the one that I have is just through it's, it's a grocery store here called Kroger and they have their own. Oh, so, okay. So you're just, I don't know. Direct. I don't know if you have, are you in Dallas? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what you guys have. It's one there. of the so bigger. Direct. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, my daughter will do it for me, but it's one of the bigger apps that you can use and it connects you to all the grocery stores in the area. But man, it's oh, maybe always like, like Insta, Insta shopper. There or you go. It's like a yeah. little carrot. Insta, yeah. Insta, I've never yeah. used that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I, you know, I'll buy all this right. stuff and then like six items are missing. I'm like, yeah. And then you're like, I got to go to the store anyways now. Right. Exactly. Okay. So you're using just direct to the grocery store app, which that sounds smarter to me. Um, the night, the no fly zone. I like that. Like just turn everything off. Don't allow anyone to bother you and get your me time in. Right. I mean, yeah. that's, that's huge. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, when, you, yeah, you have to do that because like, you know, it, even for yourself being like, you have so much going on yeah. and like, I'm sure your team is always needing you. And I mean, that's, that's fine. I don't ever want to put any like restrictions or limitations on people who need to get a hold of me. Um, it's, it's like nine out of 10 times my fault because I just, like, I, I love to work. Like I love what I do. And so it's hard for me to just like put my phone away and still not look at it. Um, so I just have to put it on airplane mode and, and they all know, and they respect that. So unless it's emergency, they're, they're not reaching out. Yeah. And then I, I like the fact that you have your window where you, it's like, okay, straight up work time, 1130 to, three or four because you're up yeah. against when your kids are getting out of school. Right. So yeah. you got to mm -hmm. get, got to get it in. Um, but I think it's smart. You cut it, cut your time down. It's not an eight hour work day. You're forcing everything into that, that three or four hour zone and getting yeah. it all done in a timely manner. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, it comes down to just time management. Like where, where are you going to spend your time? 
And what I love to recommend to everybody who's just feeling like that they don't have enough time, you need to audit yourself, audit yourself for like four days, a whole week, and just carry a notebook around like a little tiny, it could be like a little pocket notebook and just write out your day. Like anything that if you get on your phone and you're like, you know, like, and then you start like, write that down, like audit yourself. So you know exactly like the places that you're wasting your time and where you're wasting your time at. Um, even for my workout, like I have to like move through my workout. So I have specific, like I work out if I'm doing like a major lift that day and my rest time is like, if I have a two minute rest time in between each set, if it's like a five by five, then I have to set my timer because before I know it, I'll be, you know, my canines will be outside with me or I'll just be, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I'll be like a five minute rest period, you know? And it's like, you have to be diligent and stay on top of yourself. So yeah, audit yourself. I like that. That audit is a good idea. It's almost like you're counting your minutes. Like you count your calories, right? Yeah. Just yeah. Keep your cat, keep yeah. your, keep your, keep your minutes in check so that you get the mm-hmm. most out of your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good stuff. Okay. So now moving into business, you got a coffee, whiskey, uh, I don't, I don't know that I ever even, how long has that been in operation? Mm, I've been at this location for four years now. Oh, okay. And then yeah. before that you, you were at a different place, but same I business? Was just, yeah, I was renting a place down the road on shore drive. And then I purchased this building where I'm at now about three and a half years ago. So three years ago. So I'm, yeah, I'm over by the Lesnar, uh, the Lesnar bridge where the Lynn Haven Ramp is. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Awesome. So for, for those listening and maybe we mentioned earlier, you're in Virginia beach. Yeah. So you're surrounded by military. I'm sure you're, uh, inundated with that. Is your, now you got what coffee in the morning and I'm guessing whiskey at night. Is that the, you can that... do coffee, whiskey, anytime you want. <laughs> yeah, do you have drinks, mixed drinks that, uh, yeah. kicks off the day? Yeah. So yeah. what's your, yeah. what, what's like a, uh, a fan favorite there? Ooh, um, definitely the American brew, which is just, it's our Irish coffee, but it has all of our drinks have whiskey. So we do have three beers on tap and, um, we do champagne, but that's it. Like we don't have any vodka. There's no rum. There's no tequila. Uh, so it's just coffee whiskey. And then we have a, uh, an espresso martini. That's delicious. Mm. Um, and that's with a proper 12 and a bourbon cream and then espresso. So that's, that one's really yummy, but all of our, we have like a bunch of signature drinks that we are, they're very original here to American brew. So there's a handful of just local favorites. Yeah. Okay. Now what's, and the, we also have food though too. What's the name of, what's the name of your place? It's called American brew. American brew. Okay. Just mm-hmm. in case people want to go visit it and check it out. Now, do you plan on expanding, getting more stores or how's that going? Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely wanting to expand. I actually just purchased a food truck. So it's like right outside that, uh, I just got it all painted and finished. So it got out of the shop on Friday. So I'm going to be getting that up and going. And so we'll be doing a food truck and going around to the local breweries and probably doing some private events and stuff, but, uh, there's no whiskey on the food truck. So that's not a thing yet with, uh, ABC is our, our local, uh, alcohol laws or whatever. Yeah. So, um, there's no whiskey on the food truck, but we're going to do espresso and we're going to have some of our, uh, famous burritos and sandwiches and stuff. Wow. That's pretty cool. Now, how'd you, how'd you get into that? So, yeah, so I 
selfishly on shore drive there was not a coffee shop there was like a starbucks probably two miles away Mm -hmm. and i've always been a huge fan of local coffee shops um so i was like you know what i was like shore drive needs a coffee shop and selfishly i just opened one because i wanted one i felt like it'd be a great place and for the community in the area to come and so that's what I did. I didn't know anything about coffee. I definitely didn't know anything about whiskey. And I've just kind of learned the trade and the craft uh, along the way. So the the goal is in the next couple of years is to start roasting my own beans. Um, I've been, I'm already looking at like some roasteries and stuff to start learning that. But um, that was really how it started. And I didn't realize at the time that I was going to have to have a full-fledged restaurant because I have no background at all uh in restaurants like i don't even have a background in business but i i wanted a coffee shop and in my mind i was like hmm can coffee at you know 250 a pop three dollars a pop like pay for rent or my overhead i was like (laughs) i'll throw alcohol in there like i know the margin the the margin for alcohol is a lot greater than what it would be for like a cup of coffee And so I was like, I'm just going to have a coffee whiskey bar. And then like I had all the papers, everything going. And then I realized at that point that I had to have a restaurant. And it was literally like this, like, oh, shit. Like, what what the hell did I just get myself into? And um, so I've just I've learned I've learned uh, over the years. And uh, and it's a it's a solid spot. Wow, that's cool. And yeah, I remember the the one Starbucks on Shore Drive. It's in the corner of that one building, right? Yeah, it's at. not there anymore. Oh, it's not. Nope. Oh, that's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they closed they closed down and then I was like, wow, there's no coffee shop here. So yeah. when wow. they closed down and they moved, that's whenever I opened up American Brew. Love it. That is awesome. Um okay, so favorite coffee then. Just your favorite like, straight coffee. Oh, I mean, are you like a latte, cappuccino, or just straight black? Uh, well, so I'm right now I'm drinking. I know this looks a little, it's kind of it's <laughs> empty, but um, this is a white coffee. So we have a white bean. It's a bean that's like barely roasted and it actually has more caffeine than an actual espresso shot. So it's called our white coffee, but this particular drink, it's a Coachella. So it's our white coffee with a little bit of hazelnut, honey, and cinnamon and oat milk. And it's so good. Wow. So it's not even it's not even on our menu, but people know about the Coachella and they come in, and they ask for it. So, nice. So you have like um, a secret menu. Yeah, it's kind of like a secret menu. Like if, <laughs> if you know, then you know about the Coachella. Um, other than that, I love coffee whiskey. So um, I'm a big coffee whiskey drinker. That is cool. All right. Yeah. So, okay. So you got the business going. Now you mentioned you got the screen printing, right? Is that like mm-hmm. your own t-shirt mm-hmm. gig you got going? Is that a brand yeah. or just you do stuff for other brands? Yeah. So it's called American screen printing. And again, it's just like, I have like this mindset that, um, it doesn't really make sense for me to pay for another company to do the same job or the same work that I can do. Uh, and I can make a lot more money off of it. So I have all of these companies. I, I did have a gym and I, I closed that down during COVID, but, um, I have about like three or four, um, operational companies and, Merchandise is huge. Everybody wants merchandise at American Brew, AH Co., which is like my online business. I have a small clothing line called Valkyrie. Um, and it just, it didn't make sense for me to, ha- to have to continue to outsource uh, screen printing whenever it just seemed like a super 
All I had to do was just invest into the equipment and then I would be able to make so much more money and it, it would just make sense to have my own designing team and my own screen printing team like right in my backyard. So that's how it started and it's a very, very new company. Uh, we've been operational for about a year, um, a year and a half now. And so um, we have just started, this is we're just now getting into the second phase of where we are starting to do jobs within our local community. And then um, gradually we'll just start basically like making that circle a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger. Um, we have done a couple jobs down in North Carolina. So like our reach will just slowly start to broaden as our team grows, as we become more confident in what we're doing as like we get the operations down. Um, but that's, that's why I started American Screen Printing. Wow. Yeah, it's a great idea. And I've learned my lesson too with apparel. It's like, man, some people will rip you off in a heartbeat yeah. for, mm -hmm. a, for a, a t-shirt with one color print on it. And it's oh, yeah. not. And if you don't know what you're doing, you think, oh, well, okay, $14 for a single print, single spot. Uh, right. Yeah, that must be the that must be my price. And it's like no, it should be a whole. It should be like half that. <laughs> yeah, and then you have to figure out how you're going to make money off of that. You know, if you're right. getting a shirt for fourteen dollars, like you know, like after shipping and everything, like how much money are you really going to make? Bottom dollar. Yeah, yeah. Probably not. Probably it's not. it's crazy, and I and I, it it can be a, uh, you know, it can suck all the money out of you if you're not careful, right? I mean, mm -hmm. just like any business, you got to do your research and know what you're doing ahead of time. Um, switching back to your fitness stuff, you ran the Grand Canyon from rim to rim, right? Mm -hmm. Rim to rim to rim. Rim to rim to rim, right? I didn't, yeah. yeah. So how does that work and what's the mileage like? Uh, I don't know my mileage. This was before I was <laughs> wearing any sort of smart watches or anything. That was crazy. And one of the girls that I was with, it was a, I was with a really small team. And one of the girls that I was with, she actually ended up getting hurt. And, um, I had to carry her pack as well on the final climb going up. And that was just, man, I, uh, I'll never forget. That was the first long distance endeavor that I had embarked on. And at night going up that final climb, I believe it took us like 12 hours. And at the end, of course, we were going really slow and we had somebody who was injured with us. Um, injured, but she, it was manageable. Like she just messed up her ankle or something. It's really rocky. A lot of the ground is just broken and uneven. So you have to have really good footwork and be really conscientious of like where your foot placement is mm. the entire time that you're running through the Grand Canyon. And um, I just, man, you talk about your mind playing tricks on you. Um, going up that final climb of the Grand Canyon, you just had so many switchbacks and going back and forth. And I remember I just, my sights were just continuing to look up at the top of the climb. Like it was, it was pitch dark. You couldn't see anything. The stars were out. But every time I would go up on the switchback, I kept thinking that I would see this light at the very top, which would, it would have been like a parking street light. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and then I would come back around and like, I kept thinking that it was getting closed, but like it wasn't. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, dude, you talk about like your mind just like playing freaking tricks on you. And, uh, I just, I held on to like the focus of, of the light no matter. And gradually it just got closer and closer and closer. And then I remember, um, I, I got so far up and I heard someone yell at the top, Ashley Horner. And dude, my, I was like, oh my gosh, we made it to the top. Uh, it was the best feeling in the world. But um, that was a great experience. I definitely want to do it again. Wow. So you just got to know the right times to go. 
Those those switchbacks that you're referring to are basically little donkey trails, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We did pass some donkeys on the way. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> uh, those are narrow and dangerous for sure. And uh, running at night just makes it exponentially more fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you did, let's see, yeah, you've got a lot of great endeavors. I mean, accomplishments just in this, uh, I mean, you got business, but in this fitness world and human performance, you did a run from Virginia Beach, North Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. I now, did, yeah. That was separate. Is it that, yeah, that's a totally different deal from any of these other endeavors, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I ran down the Eastern shore. Um, I did have to take a ferry. I think, I don't know if it's Moyoc where I had to take a ferry. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember the little town that I had to stop in, but yeah, I ran down to North Carolina. Um, I have a foundation called the unbroken foundation. It's for women and children of domestic violence and helping to support them and empower them. And so, um, my first run kicking off the foundation it was it was down to north carolina to raise money for a shelter down there yeah so, i like yeah. it man You're yeah, a, you, got a, you got a lot of stuff going on so what's your next yeah. big goal big challenge you've kind of given yourself yeah. what do you got going on i, I don't know i mean that it kind of comes back to just being the the hybrid athlete that um i also think there's something i think i just thrive really well in the darkness and um and just being alone. I, and I know that's, that it's, it's kind of hard to explain or describe like how it is when you're just out there and you're just going through the grit. And a lot of, a lot of times you have to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Um, but there, there's something, there's something like within me that just kind of craves that, if that makes sense. And I know that because people are like, why would you want to like do that to yourself and suffer? And um, a lot of it has to do with also all of these long endeavors that I've done. Most of them anyways, have been for a charitable cause that has been near and dear to my heart. So that's kind of like my why and like my, my reason behind it and um, the different things that I've done. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't have anything in the future. I know in the fall, I'll probably do the 25 hour row again. It's on the concept two rower. I just did the second, the second annual one. Oh no, it's in the spring every March. So I just did my second year where I, I rode for 25 hours on the concept two rower. And it's, that was for a, a local nonprofit out here called spikes canine fund. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah, um, I think I've heard of them. Tell us about them. Yeah, so Spikes Canine Fund, they help. The number 25 comes from the $25,000 or the 25,000 working canines in the US. And so that's where the number 25 came from. And Spikes Canine Fund helps uh, outfit the working canines with ballistic vests. And um, they help cover their medical bills if needed, like if their department can't cover any medical bills. So that is. that's been a charity that I've worked pretty closely with for, I don't know, like six years now. And this last row that we did, I think I raised over $20,000 or something crazy within 20, 24 hours. So that was pretty awesome. Wow. Good for you. And yeah, I like that your solo events are purpose driven for something kind of bigger and greater than, than the event itself, you know? So that's, that's a, that's a cool trait. Yeah. I, I think that's important. You know, I, um, I have this, uh, you know, for the longest time, 
I was a single mom for the longest time. Like I really struggled um, financially and I kind of went on this journey for a while of, of defining what I thought meant success. And so, you know, I, I started chasing after being a bona fide fitness model and I got that like the covers and whatever. And, you know, and, and it was, it was fine, but it didn't really fulfill me. Like I thought that success would truly feel on the inside. And, uh, and so then I started chasing after like sponsorships or endorsements. And cause I was like, Oh, if I reach that and I can be like a sponsored, you know, fitness person that would, you know, that would be what would define and feel success to me. And, and it didn't like, it didn't really feel like what I thought success should feel like. And then, um, I went on this, the, the journey just continued to where I, I started chasing financial success. And I was like, well, if I could just make a lot of money, um, that'll be, that, that has to be what it means to be successful. And that will define what success is. And, um, I don't know. And then I like, I hit a milestone and it was just like, nothing really changed. Like I didn't change. Like I didn't, it, it was supposed to be successful. That's what like the world was telling me to find success and it didn't really define success to me. And so, um, it was, it was truly the moment that I realized that I could use my platform to give back to others in need. And that was, for me personally, what defined success? My, I just felt so full of love. And um, that was the legacy ultimately that I wanted to leave behind for my boys um, is the love for humanity and, and being a part of doing something greater than yourself. And for me, um, using my God-given ability to um, embark on some of these athletic adventures in acts to give back to those in need and that is what defines success yeah there you go i mean i think you nailed it when you said journey because it is it's a journey to kind of figure all that crap out yeah and i and i relate because you think for me it's like oh i, I just want my book to hit the new york times list and then i'll feel complete right. and then it hits and you're like no that didn't do it and then you go try something else and you think that's going to, that's going to complete it. And, uh, and then, it, you know, it just takes time to kind of process of elimination to figure out what it is to make you feel complete, yeah. make you feel successful. And it's a journey. You're right. You got to just get well, on it and go. I don't think that uh, success is one particular place. I think you have to constantly be in the act of like mm. defining that success to you. Cause you know, for you, like writing the book, it's like, you probably wrote it and it was like, well, like what's next for me? Like yeah. what, you know, I did that and I completed it and um, yeah, it was great. And it was, it was something that you wanted to do. And then it's not like, you know, after that moving on, like what else, like what else can I do? And like, how can I broaden what it means to be successful? So it's just, it is, it's like a journey. Um, I have your book, by the way. I bought it a couple years ago or a year ago. <laughs> Which so, one? The Hundred Deli Skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah. Hey, thanks for yeah. your support. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, um, so you've been in Virginia Beach for a while. You got, I mean, you probably don't want to go down this path, but you've got to have some good team guy stories. Mm, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but uh, I'm not going to really go there, are you? No. <laughs> All right. Well, I figured I'd at least ask. You're listening to Can You Survive This Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and share on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. We will be right back after the break. Okay. Um, <laughs> so 
now we're going to roll into a little bit of your, uh, well, we're just going to hit your hypothetical survival scenario and see, uh, see how you respond um, to this customized okay. little crisis we're going to put you in. And okay. uh, keep in mind, a lot of this discussion through this game is a, an entertaining way to educate listeners. So if they find themselves in weird situations, at least they've heard it from this discussion on some options that they could take. And also maybe, you know, drive discussions around the dinner table or in a cubicle farm or wherever they're sitting and uh, keep safety and security at the forefront of people's minds because it's easily forgotten. All right. With that, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I love go. these things, so let's go. <laughs> All right. So for this scenario, you've been flown into a city. We'll call it any city, USA. And you're being paid to give a motivational speech at a conference. All right. Uh, the event that is hosting and paying for you has paid first class tickets and hotel room the night before and the night of your speech. Okay. So it's the morning of your flight and we'll just jump into the first question. Do you a do a post on social media? So everyone knows that you're leaving and where you'll be and when you're getting back or B wait to make your posts uh, a little later. Definitely B. B, right. And yeah. reason being is you should not be posting anything real time out there, right? Especially females, because we all know that you, uh, you know, going to track some crazy stalker weirdo. Um, yeah, which, so you, yep. you know I have a protection canine. I have a personal protection canine. And it was because a guy flew in to Virginia Beach from Arizona with a one-way ticket trying to find me and came to my restaurant. Holy. So yeah. Did- yeah, he like three police, and I never had a conversation with this guy ever. He was having a one-sided conversation with himself through social media messaging. I never even accepted his messages. I mean, it was it was just crazy. He was basically talking to me like I was his girlfriend, like on posts on his Facebook page. Like wow. straight up psycho. Yeah. So does um, not surprise me. I've had my own issues with some weird stuff. So yeah. 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 You so, ne- never I post never, anything real time. No, right. No. And you can save it and just post later. Without a doubt. Um, yeah. Especially in this area of social media. I mean, you just don't know who's watching until it's too late is usually the case. And uh, it's just not wise to post real time because you're just giving up so much information when you do that. Um, all right. So. Much of this scenario will deal with situational awareness. Um, could this be a clue? I don't know. Let's keep on moving here. So you make it to your hotel uh, and you get a good night's rest before the event. When getting ready the next morning, you A, choose to wear comfortable sandals for the event or B, um, you wear more of a closed-toed sneaker of sorts for the event. Which one do you choose? Uh, I think that's irrelevant. I would probably, I mean, it depends on like what my outfit is. So (laughs) if I'm going there to speak and I have to like, you know, I don't know. I'd probably be wearing heels, honestly. Yeah. That's a, that's, there is no, I mean, here's the deal. There's a a rule that I pointed out in a couple of books that, you know, you always want to, your feet are the most important thing when crisis breaks out. 
And ideally, you're wearing something that you can either run in or fight in. And uh, mm. because when th- things go to hell, sandals and heels, as I'm sure you already know, uh, can almost become a hindrance, can slow you down, can prevent you from doing what you need to do. And, and you need to protect your feet, especially to get out of, you know, we're not talking just bad guys. This is like natural disasters, uh, you know, any time, you know, that you need your feet to get yourself away from harm. Um Another thing we advocate, really. Yeah, yeah. I've never heard of that. That's interesting. Yeah, so closed-toed shoes of some sort is always a good idea. Sandals and heels can uh, be a hindrance if, uh, well, basically when shit hits the fan. Um, Okay, so you really didn't answer. So which one do you want to pick now, just to get your points? I'm going (laughs) to throw on my Solomons with my nice dress next time. Okay. There you go. All right. I think that's actually a punky booster, <laughs> kind of the punky booster go. I think you could pull that off. All right. Um, okay. Next. I know this is this is an issue across the board. You kind of brought it up. It depends on what I'm wearing because we all know ego dresses us in the morning. We want to stand out. We want to look good. It's normal. Um, keep that in mind. So with that, we lead into this next piece. Um, so... Speaking of situational awareness, do you decide to wear your hair in a bun or wear your hair long and down? Mm. Well, I know the answer would be in a bun because <laughs> you don't want anybody to grab your hair. But uh, There you go. Yeah, I think I could throw my hair up pretty quickly if I needed to. Yeah, okay. Just, but I wouldn't but I wouldn't have time for that, would I? I'd get snatched. And for these scenarios, yeah, you never really have time. And sometimes the right answer is written twice on my paper, but the really the right one is the one that's chosen on this side of the house. So, all right. So, yeah, granted, um, either either one could be correct when it comes to looking good or dressing yourself in the morning, getting ready for an event. Uh, but the reality is, is, you know, in the MMA world, you, you control the head. You try to control the head. You try to control the hips. Uh, mainly because that allows you to control the spine. If you can control the spine, then you can control the body. Um, and bad guys love to use a ponytail or when your hair's down, you, it becomes a handle for them. And you just don't want to give, give them that advantage if you don't have to, just in case. So, mm-hmm. um, But should a crisis rise, the bun gives your enemies less of an option to grab. Um, so you, you decide to enjoy your morning. Um, at the hotel cafe on the patio for a coffee and some breakfast before you head to the location of your event. Uh, When you get to your patio, do you, A, choose to sit with your back facing the entrance of the patio, okay, or B, choose so you can face the entrance. Super simple here. Always facing the entrance. Always facing the entrance. (laughs) And so what are your reasons for that? Because I like to see who's coming in and coming out, coming yeah. in and leaving. Yeah, I just, I think, I think that it's important. Yeah. Plus, you can have your eye on the exit. You know where your exits are. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, as you know, for this for this uh, scenario, we're really digging into situational awareness, even the basics. But facing interest gives you a better position. Um, and you know, there's a color code system in Krav Maga where anything you can see is kind of the green zone. So you want to put as much as you can in the green zone where yellow is kind of your peripherals and then red is behind you. 
So anytime you're sitting in a restaurant, you go to the grocery store, wherever you're at, you kind of want to think in terms of how do I put myself in a position where I can put as much of the landscape in the green and then pick that and then pick that position to sit at. And that way it limits how much can actually catch you off guard from the flanks or catch you off guard from behind. Okay. Um, all right. Now you're enjoying your coffee uh, before you leave. When you notice um, a real dodgy looking fellow looking at you and, uh, and looking at other patrons on the patio, right? So he's kind of scoping some things out. Uh, this guy does not look like he belongs there. Um, he's not ordering anything to drink. He's just kind of hanging out looking sketchy. So do you, A, avoid looking at him, drink your coffee, and look at your phone <laughs> as to not look at the guy and draw any attention to yourself, right? Or B, keep your eyes on him uh, without making it too obvious. Yeah, I'd definitely be watching him. Yeah. Keep your eyes on him. Eye contact, yeah. I agree. Um, mm -hmm. We just, we actually just had like Spencer Corson, who, uh, you know, he's a safety kind of security guy who also works in crisis management. And he had a client um, who was in this exact scenario uh, where she just kind of ignored the problem. And guess what? The problem became her problem because mm -hmm. he thought, oh, yeah, I'm just going to take advantage of the one who's not paying attention to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they like to they like to prey on the the people who seem weak or vulnerable and not paying attention. So I mean, I even had times when people will like if you if you run past me once or like whatever, like I'll notice you. If you run past me twice, I think like okay, maybe they forgot something or maybe like whatever. If you run past me a third time, I'm literally watching you until I don't see you again. So they know that like I I know exactly who you are and what you look like. Right. No, I think that's good. And in the world of surveillance, which is where I played for a while, um, you know, you had rules that you never drive past the target more than once, right? When you're doing a CTR, which is a close target reconnaissance. And, um, and, and it's for that reason, because twice, it's kind of like a magic trick. Once is knowledge, or once is, a, once is magic, twice is knowledge, right? And so you want to keep everything you do kind of like a magic trick. You only want to really do it once. Um, but on the receiving end, you definitely should be looking for those multiple passes uh, in any of those other signs and symptoms um, that someone's uh, targeting you. Um, so, okay, you finish your coffee. You decide to take a little walk in the city. After a few blocks, you notice that same guy is also walking, and he's about 20 feet behind you, okay? You cross the street. Do you, A, walk faster and don't look back, or B, use the glass from one of the store windows, leverage it as a mirror, and check and see what he's up to? Hmm. Probably B. B. But I'd want to know where he's at. Yeah, yeah, but you don't want to alert him because you kinda, you wanna, you're kind of you playing chess with this guy to a certain yeah. degree. Yeah. Um, it, granted, it could be coincidence. Mm -hmm. Totally could be, you know. There's another saying in uh, uh, in the surveillance world is that strange does not necessarily mean it's bad, right? It could be just something strange going on. And so it's easy to see ghosts. It's so easy to think that someone's after you. But you should always sift through, catalog what's going on, and then confirm. Um, and there's a lot of ways to sift, catalog, and confirm. 
And it's kind of like what you want to do with someone following you. Um, all right. So the glass window in the store can be used as a good mirror um, and keep track of what's going on behind you without them knowing. Another thing we advocate is that you definitely want to always aim for de-escalation. You never want to give someone a reason to escalate. Um, so no need to uh, fight if you don't have to, especially considering uh, you're here to do a job. Yeah. That might be a clue to what's going on next. Okay. So, you notice in the glass reflection that the guy is now crossing the street as well. Hmm. So, do you, A, cross back to the other side of the street, <laughs> or B, enter a mall or building that has multiple entrance, exits, and people? B. B. Yeah. These are good. These are good. Losing. Yeah. These are too easy for you. All right. So, by entering the mall... Um, and then exiting through different exits, you can try and maybe lose the guy uh, and make him think he lost you, right? Um, and if he does go out the same as you, now you've certainly confirmed, okay, the coincidences are out the window. This guy is definitely coming your way. And, uh, you know, we've learned some of these little tactics when I had my former uh, damn neck boss, Chris Costa, on the last time around. And he was, we were talking about surveillance and all that, and he kind of brought this this piece of the scenario up, which is, uh, it's a great idea. Get into where there's uh, the entrance, exits, pick one, go for it, and then now you've confirmed the guy is certainly on your tail. Um, once you come out a different exit, do you, okay, A, cross the other side of the street with minimal pedestrians or stay on the side with the crowd? Uh, stay on the side with the crowd. Yes. Slipping through a crowd can is just another opportunity to lose a stalker. Plus, it surrounds you with people that you can notify in any given moment you feel like your life is uh, at risk. So as you slip by the pedestrians, you find yourself coming to a less congested area on the sidewalk. And the enemy is still on your tail. All right? So as you wait for the green light at a crosswalk, the enemy approaches you. He says, hey, I've been watching you. Okay. Do you, A, extend your hand for a handshake and introduce yourself? <laughs> or B, assume more of a nonviolent posture, hands up, negotiation style, and say, hey, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. B. B, yeah, the nonviolent posture, okay? It's a Trojan horse. Um, anybody who has looked at uh, Hunter Deli Skills Combat Edition, Tony Blower, who invented it, um, the nonviolent position, you know, is basically a negotiation style stance. Your hands up, looks very innocent, but it's allowing your hands to get as close as possible to your adversary's face so you can um, palm strike them, do whatever you want. Yep, there you go. She's demonstrating <laughs> now. It gives you a reason to go watch the YouTube. She just hit her camera in the face. Okay. Um, the nonviolent posture, definitely recommendation, good choice uh, to block or strike. Um, the guy says no. He says no. Now empty your pockets. Okay? <laughs> and uh, and he starts to close in on you. All right? Uh -huh. So do you, A, turn and run, or B, palm strike him right in the nose and kick him in the balls? Palm strike him and kick him in the balls. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Hard. <laughs> Good job. So, you know, either one really is correct. I mean, we, we constantly say, hey, increase distance, increase the survivability. Yeah. But, I mean, 
this guy. It would already... depend on the shoes I was wearing. If I was wearing my <laughs> Solomons, then I would take off, I take off running. That's right. If you can I'm run, maybe you should run. But if you're in your heels, maybe maybe take it off and stab him in the eye. That works too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, hey, great job. You got 10 out of 10. Uh, your situational awareness is high, young Jedi. Uh, so I appreciate that. And, uh, you have survived this podcast. Okay. So to, uh, to finish this thing out, where can people, uh, learn about all your endeavors, your businesses and learn more about you? Yeah. Uh, you go to my website, it's ashleyhorner.co or follow me on Instagram. It's ashley.horner and, uh, my Facebook and Instagram is like kind of the same thing. So I'm not really, a, I'm not really big on the Facebook. Um, I do post on there, but uh, mainly Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Sign up for my newsletter. Nice. That's yeah. That's about it. Well, hey, I want to say you know thank you for coming on board. It was a lot of fun learning about all your uh, man. You got a lot going on. Businesses, mm-hmm. obviously, an accomplished athlete in various worlds. Um, really, really cool. You're an inspiration, and I, I appreciate yeah. you coming on board. Yeah. How many books do you have? Uh, geez. I, I've got the hundred deli skill series, which we're up to about, I think four. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You got the first one, um, which was more covert kind of cool. the yellow cover, yeah. uh, hacks and tricks against bad guys. Then you got the survival edition, which is getting yourself out of different crises. And then you've got the one that just came out. Um, which is a combat edition where I went around the country and met with just really great guys who provided the skills. So I was actually, last time I was out there, I was at Dom Rosso's place. Yeah. I don't know if you know, know Dom. Dom. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he provided, uh, some really great skills for the book. And then, um, and then I ended up at, you know, Tony Blowers, Tony Jeffries. So the book has like professional boxers. It has, you know, hell's angel type dudes, but I just went around to badasses and said, Hey, give me five to 10 skills that you think are everyone should know. And that, yeah. Up, yeah. Combat edition. So that's awesome. Yeah, I, I yeah. really, it's really important. I mean, especially for females because we are the worst when it comes to just not being aware of what's going on around us and, uh, constantly being on our phones, sitting in our cars in the middle of a parking lot after you go to the grocery store. Like I just, we live in a, in a day and, um, a society now where we just, we are so consumed by our smartphones or a tablet or something. And we just are not paying attention. And, um, I don't even run with headphones. I mean, I have my canines with me when I, when I run, but, um, you know, I, I don't even run with headphones because I like to know if anybody is coming up behind me, anything with vehicles, if I'm running the trails, like, by myself or like even with like, I always have a knife on me. I know sometimes it's kind of hard to like conceal and carry and run, but um, I just, we just have to be smarter about where we position ourselves and what things are consuming our attention and put those down because you never like, you're always a victim until you are prepared. And so, you know, I just, I mean, especially for females and young females, like teenagers and stuff, they've just got to start doing a better job at not, always posting on social media like you were talking about and just being aware of your surroundings, always being aware of your surroundings. Yeah, no, those are all great and excellent points. And I appreciate that input. It's, uh, you know, it's like you said, it's, 
so easy to be consistently distracted by what's going on these days, especially with electronics. And it's uh, almost, I mean, man, it's con- it, it is so consuming now that uh, people uh, just don't even know they're doing it. That's the that's the the part that's scary is. You say, hey, you're always on, I tell my daughter, like, you're always on your phone. She's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, no, you are. You're constantly on your phone. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to argue with you, but you're always on your phone. <laughs> but tell, then, tell, her, tell her to do a self-audit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> write it down. Ashley says, yeah. write it down. <laughs> yep. Do a self-audit. Yeah, no, that's, that's great pointers. Running with dogs is probably the best line of defense. Second to that, a gun, but you better know how to use it. Third is a knife, but you better be able to use it. At least a dog. I mean, yeah, they're going to look out for you regardless because they're loyal. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're yeah. awesome. They're awesome. They're awesome. But uh, once again, hey, thanks. Thank you for yeah. uh, coming on board. And uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be seeing you out there. And for all those listening, I hope you got something out of this. This was a great interview. And uh, remember to keep it simple because crisis will complicate the rest. Can You Survive This Podcast is a production of Calvary Audio and iHeartMedia. Recorded live from a secure location here in Dallas, Texas. Produced by Brandon Morgan, Jeff Apple, and Clint Emerson. Executive produced by Keegan Rosenberger and Dana Brunetti. For Calvary Audio, I'm Clint Emerson. <laughs>